Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset at Sam Bruce. Joined as ever by Christy Doran, uh, and we must have jinxed the good weather last week, Christy. I think we got four days in Sydney, four days of glorious sunshine. Uh, wake up this morning, well, of course, it started over the weekend, but a rainy old Monday here in the Harbour City. But um, I'm pretty sure that won't have put a dampener on Waratah's fans. Uh, the result yesterday out of Dunedin, 32-20, a great result. Um, for not only the Waratahs, but for um, Australian rugby avoiding, you know, I guess another sweep of uh, New Zealand sides if you take out um, Moana Pacifica um, or you can include that, then it was two wins. But, mate, how are you? Uh, number one and uh, number two, uh, a great result on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, there's there's not much more that gets you excited for the start of a new working week when there's a, a great result on a Sunday. Sunday afternoon footy, hopefully people got around watching it because it was a cracking Cracking game, I thought, you know, under the roof just allows uh, footy to be played. And, it's and and you know, I know that people from Canberra and David Pocock and so forth have been calling for a roof for quite a while. So, yeah, um, it's a it's a great stadium there at Fourth Bar um, in, in Dunedin. So, yeah, pleasing for Australian rugby because it, it gives you just a bit more confidence that things are going in the right direction. We know from an administration perspective yet, Things are starting to to pick up. Um, I think people that are even been quite uh, frustrated with the direction of the game, even they can now start to see some green shoots. So that's great. But you're right, footy aside for the moment, a bit of uh, I wonder whether or not all the wet weather has actually helped the skills of the Waratahs because they're actually starting to string things together and there's some great signs there. You're right, mate. And um, before we dig in a little bit more on that, um, I guess you've got to give a wrap to Darren Coleman. I was uh, intrigued to hear him say he was, you know, going to rest, look to rest up some players after that loss um, to the Hurricanes at Leichhardt Over, look to freshen up a few guys. And I was thinking to myself, well, do you really want to drop three games on the bounce by making wholesale changes? Now, he didn't really make wholesale changes. He, uh, he really only rested uh, Jed Holloway, Completely, uh, Angus Bell came off the bench. Uh, Charlie Gamble was due a rest, but uh, was called onto the bench with a with a late withdrawal um, over there. And and really, that turned out to be a, a real difference maker there in the second half. The way he'd managed that squad, the way he'd set it up for you know a, a really strong finish, which they had of course lacked so much against the the Crusaders and and the Hurricanes, and probably even to a degree the Moana Pacifica, who were really finishing over the top of them, but couldn't get the uh, the vital try that they needed. So. First off, a big wrap to, to Darren Coleman. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just well-managed, well-thought-out. Um, and now he's, he's probably set himself up for a, a position, uh, I think, gamble by the sounds of it, may rest again. But um, a really good crack at a blue side who, you know, coincidentally may look to rest some players themselves. Yeah, it's amazing the Waratahs playing themselves into this position. And I still think it comes down to great man management. Yeah. Look, we've spoken about the Brumbies in the past and Dan McKellar having confidence developing a squad where you can bring players in and take them out and not much is going to change. You look at the, the half situation, particularly at 10, and, you know, there's been three different 10s, really. I don't know if Will Harrison spent time in the 10 jersey, but he was certainly going to, and he spent time at fullback. But the, the ability to bring those kind of players in and out Izzy Parisi goes out of the side. We haven't even touched upon the fact that yes, he is lost. Yep. You know, what many would have thought the most attacking impetus player, um, he goes out 
the tails probably change the way that they play a little bit. It's not so much the conf- um, uh, so confrontational in the midfield, but they've brought in their two wingers, Mark Nwonga, Nida Wasi, and, and Dylan Peach better than they probably have beforehand. Um, ben Donaldson didn't probably have his best game, but but it was quite seamless, the transition, yep. uh, which was the most pleasing thing. And you, and you mentioned the bench. Well, the forwards were outstanding. It, it kind of reminded me of what, you know, it, obviously not in the same way and in the same game, the same um, competition, but what the Springboks did in 2019, what Ed Jones was able to do at times, what Michael Checker has been, you know, what he talked about were these finishes. Well, at long last, it, a Waratah side had some finishes that 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 really injected physicality and game line dominance into it. The, the collision they certainly won. Angus Bell was, I think, he carried the ball three or four times the first in um, the first time he was injected into the game. Just immediately showed how dominant he was there, and he wasn't the only one. Obviously, Ned Hedigan setting up the game ceiling try there for Tate Edmund. Um, they were superb, and it was a really well balanced side. Um, there was wasn't necessarily a standout, was there, Sam? It was more of a, a well rounded team, um, a complete team effort there. Absolutely, mate. You, you got young uh, Langy Gleeson. I think he's twenty or twenty one years old. Um, looked really strong in the opening stages. Uh, poked his head through a, a gap at one point and, and got some got the Waratahs some really good uh, front football. Yeah, uh, impressive. Will Harris impressive early on as well. Um, right across the board, as you mentioned, uh, Mark Nwongani to Wasi's uh, try there and, and well executed from the backs who were, you know, had that man up advantage. And, and Darren Coleman said that post match. He said it was really impressive how they they executed that play. They clearly thought into it. You know, Sam Gilbert has, has been sent off and we'll come to that shortly. Um, we're a man up here. It set a good scrum set piece and let's suck them in tight so it exposes the space over the side now it still took a, a fairly big cutout pass from from Tane Edmed to get the job done but it, no one going to do us he had you know still had loads of time to get over in the corner so fantastic all round and um yeah it made, what, what about Ned Hennigan though he's quite a story and a guy who many or not many years ago a few years ago put a shot on your ribs um he's from out uh, my way uh, the other side of Canamble um has come back from Japan uh bowled things and all reports um the uh, the sin over there has done him the world of good and uh, a rap for tony harper our old um our old boss at uh at fox sports uh, a few years ago um he's back now writing uh sorry editing for the raw in here in sydney and um a really really engaging uh, fascinating article with ned last week if you haven't read it go and go and seek it out on the on the raw.com.au and um it's a really nice uh, really nice uh, read there from from tony harper but um you know he's uh, he's a much maligned character in Australian rugby, isn't he? I think he probably shifted a few opinions there in that 2020 season. Uh, Dave Rennie's first, uh, a really strong game in Auckland from memory. I think in the second test, which the Wallabies were eventually heavily beaten by by a Caleb Clark inspired All Blacks team. But um, he's going to be a really one to watch this year, isn't he, Ned? Yeah, I wonder whether or not he will, in fact, actually be part of the initial Wallaby squad. Um, Isaac Rotter initially wasn't for that French series from memory and then came in for the, the rugby championship. I wonder whether or not 
Dave might, in fact, do that with Ned. He could bring him into the squad. I don't know if he will necessarily play him. I think Rob Leota is ahead of Ned Hannigan at the moment um, in terms of the physicality that he provides um, in that six jersey and the ability to cover the second row. And for that matter, matter, I think Jed Holloway probably deserves to be in there ahead of Ned for the time being too. But that... There's no doubt that Ned Hannigan was burnt by being overplayed in 2016, 2017, when he made his debut for the Wallabies in his first season of Super Rugby. You know, he looked spent towards the end of his test campaign. Um, and that was no blight on Ned Hannigan, the player. That's that's probably poor and mismanagement from the Wallabies at the time by overworking him to at the point that a bloke in his early 20s isn't able to to make a real significant contribution in terms of denting the game line. That changed a few years later and 2020 comes around and he certainly got back to where people thought he might. But I don't know if he necessarily shifted the minds, the hearts and minds across the country, but there was certainly a, a portion that he did. And I think you'll continue to do that. You know, spending a couple of years away in Japan you only have to look at guys like Michael Hooper who have come back revigorated, probably mentally fresh um, from less media commitments, being out of the spotlight. I think Ned Hannigan could have a big 18 months and you, and you never know he might play a role in a World Cup for the fact that he can play uh, multiple positions in the forward pack. Yeah, certainly one to watch, uh, but um, a fair starting point off the bench and obviously a huge addition for this Waratahs team over the next couple of weeks. And uh, Darren Collins going to have a real job, uh, as he mentioned, uh, probably look to rest one or two and you would expect Charlie Gamble to get a break this week, given he was meant to have one last week. Yeah, indeed. And what it allows now that Ned has been brought back in, you mentioned Langy Gleeson, he was superb, but you know they've got an not necessarily an embarrassment of riches, but they've got a, a, a lot of depth now in that back row and it allows, it allows uh, already Jed Holloway was rested for the week. It's just, just gone past. Ned Hannigan can potentially go into the second row and allow A.B. Cridge to, to get a, a week off because he himself has, has had to play a lot of minutes himself. We saw Jerry Williams make a positive contribution when he came onto the field. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's great management. Um, and it continues to show the development of, of, of Darren Coleman. I think we'll see over this next week more and more stories about how this bloke has managed to turn the Waratahs from a, a winless side to a team that is now leapfrogged. The Queensland Reds will most certainly, all but certainly, finish above them unless the Reds can, can beat the Crusaders next weekend uh, in, in Christchurch. Good luck. But it, it shows that continuity... Um, sticking by initial talent is so important and, and, and having a belief because he's managed to galvanise that squad together. And that's a huge thing. We know that there was a lot of raw talent in that side last year, but they were raw, weren't they? They sure were. And um, it was a fairly long and, and arduous season and so happy for a lot of those guys who, who went through that to now be uh, be reaping the benefits um, of, uh, of what has been a hugely impressive season so far and one that uh, Coleman himself has said that has already exceeded uh, his pre-season expectations. So uh, a couple of big games to go yet and, of course, the Blues coming up this week. Uh, before we leave, uh, Dunedin, mate, um, fair to say Sam Gilbert just got it wrong. That was a, a terrible, um, terrible tackle on, on Michael Hooper and, and thankfully didn't, um, you know, result in any serious injury to... 
to Michael. But, um, yeah, just a complete brain explosion to pick a guy up who wasn't even carrying the ball. He was just trying to counter ruck and uh, lifted him up and threw him down. And, and he should uh, that should be the end of uh, his season, you would uh, fully suspect. Yeah, and you only had to listen to the commentators to know that that Gilbert's a, a promising player, that he's had some good touches in recent weeks. That Yeah, that's a brain explosion, isn't it? And you know what? It's 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 that there is perhaps why things like the, the twenty minute red card aren't going to get 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 on um, further because Michael Hooper, the Wallabies captain, the you know one of the best players in that side, if not certainly the best player, has been dropped on his head. Now, if that had been slightly gone wrong further, you know he's just come back from concussion. We know that Michael Hooper is concerned about concussion. You know, speaking to him. Just recently, one-on-one outside the, the Sydney Harbour, um, outside the Opera House, he was very conscious of the fact that, firstly, you know, head knocks, he's coming towards uh, the latter part of his career. He can't keep doing this. Um, Sundays aren't easier. And there's concern about, you know, he, he said to me, look, you know, you wake up and now have a headache, you probably think you're just sick. Well, I wake up and I have a headache and I'm concerned because it's concussion. And, you know, that's a, that, that's a genuine concern that an international player has. That's a scary thing, I think. Um, that example there on the weekend was nothing but a red card. Um, but if that happens in the opening 10 minutes and you lose your best player and it allows someone else to come on, that's, that's, a, that's, that's why perhaps this red card 20 minute doesn't come off. I'm curious to know what you think of the, of the Paddy Ryan yellow card, Sam, because for me, I thought it was just a, 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 a clean out where a player at the last moment has dropped his, his body height um, and his head height, really. And without that last second drop, that split second drop, that is a regulation clean out there from Paddy Ryan. Yeah, man, and this is you know one of the issues I've got with not not the laws as the way that they're written, but that they don't don't account for um, what are an increasing number of these these rugby collisions that can be so individual uh, in the game, and we've got so many you know there's a contest for the ball at at, at every play at every stoppage, um, and this is the nature of our game that things like this are going to pop up, and you know to be honest, we probably haven't seen. Um, certainly not to my immediate memory, an incident like that one of Paddy's on the weekend. So, I mean, it's something that's, it's, I wrote a piece about it for ESPN earlier in the year, is that, you know, the clean out, at what stage are we going to get to where, you know, these guys, they're, they're working with limited surface area as it is. Um, now, this was a little bit different given um, Paddy was trying a, a counter arc, clearly, but um you know, he was going low. He wasn't. He didn't charge in, perhaps like we saw um, Taniela Tupu earlier in the year. Brian Brown, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the example that now springs to mind. Um, he come from a, a short distance. He dropped at the hips as he's supposed to do, and then gets caught out um, by a late drop from um, from Josh Dixon, the, the Highlanders' lock. And I mean, you, you can't absolutely remove every skerrick of risk from the game. That's yeah. that's the thing, and I think that's what a lot of people are still, you know, having trouble with. I think everyone's on board with, um, you know, we've got to protect these players and concussion's a very real thing, as we were saying before. And um, the game is light years ahead of where the NRL and, and Rugby League is, uh, you know, where they're at right now. And they're probably, you know, back to where we were, I think, at the, the 2019 World Cup, even before, where people are still trying with great difficulty to adjust with some of the high tackles that are being 
called in that sport. Now, we're well beyond that. And every time we see a high tackle, it's pretty cut and dried. But I think the issue that we've really got to sort out is, is you know, we can't rewrite the law book clearly, um, but we need to just allow for these, you know, these little rugby collisions that you can just look at that and say, you know what, yep, that was just complete, um, you know, two external forces coming together. This action, um, you know, happened as a result of this action. The head clash happened. Um, and, and, you know, Paddy, a penalty. If, if it's got to be something, then be a penalty. But yeah. I don't believe you, you should lose a player um, for 10 minutes. And it, clearly it didn't affect the Waratahs in this game. But, um, you know, you should not lose a player for 10 minutes to the sin bid for, for something like that, which was, you know, largely beyond his control. And he'd done everything right that World Rugby and Sanzar and the referees want him to do. I, we'll move on to it from it in a moment because it's something that either you know it irks watching it, but I think it as well as you can get bogged down in, in some of the detail. There's three things out of that game which to me are, are pretty um, pretty telling regarding um, uh, foul play. One, we saw the the Gilbert spear tackle. Now that's that's a red every day of the week because there is absolutely no mitigation. It was completely preventable. Number two. We saw Marty Banks get away with what, for me, seemed most apparent and obvious um, foul play of yep. trying to dislodge the ball from Jeremy Williams from scoring through the use of an extension of his leg. Now, the commentators, New Zealand commentators, saw past that, saw through that. Nick Berry didn't, said, no, I'm happy with that. Um, that's rugby smarts. And that is actually... That, that is being a bit cheeky around it. And those sorts of things are preventable. Um, the Paddy Ryan on the KK's hand, on the other K hand rather, was, you know, you slow it down on slow-mo and you go, oh, right, well, he, he, he's come in there from nowhere. His head's down. It was reckless. Well, you know, that is happening in a split second where he is running from probably two, two metres away. Um, and it was a slight dip in the last absolute split second. So, yeah, yeah I think just some a little bit more um, feeling and understanding of, of what is reckless, what isn't, what is being a bit cheeky, um, like what Marty Banks was showing and what's not. Because I think those three examples were really cut, cut and dry between what should be uh, a red or a yellow card, uh, sim binning offence, and, and what shouldn't. Yeah, probably uh, lucky to avoid a penalty try there, Marty Banks, you'd have to say. Um, and Young, uh, well, not Young, but um, Taylor, I think, on the, on the Sky Sport was the first to uh, clearly quote the um, quote the, the laws as written around that, and uh, Nick Berry uh, didn't agree. But um, we will move on uh, and move on to, to Canberra. Now, um, one of our colleagues uh, in uh, the National Capital has been in touch with me this afternoon to uh, alert me to the fact that there is a petition, now a change.org petition um, to uh, remove uh, Damon Murphy, the referee, after the Brums are on the end of a 16-5 penalty count down there uh, against the Blues in what was just a, a gripping game, um, a really intense finals-like game of rugby. Um, of course, one late uh, by the Blues via the, the drop goal from Bowden Barrett with his team playing under advantage. Anyway, now um, I'll just start here at the finish um, because it's a bugbear of mine. Uh, the Brumbies have done so well to get back in front, um, use their rolling ball as they have done for years with Billy Pollard to get the try there to retake the lead. 
um, and you've left with about a minute on the clock to kill. Now, what our guys are doing that they can't, sorry, what the Australian teams are doing that they can't shut down a minute on the clock, um, you know, in, in a position from which they were, they got up to about the halfway line and had about 45 odd seconds to left to kill on the clock and gets turned over and the Blues march up, uh, get in front of the sticks, uh, get a penalty advantage and, and Barrett slots the uh, the drop goal and, and that's all she wrote. So, you know, fair play to Bowden, um, a quality player, steps up in the big moments just as he did. But, um, you know, the Brums, Brums fans, certainly, you know, a 16-5 penalty count is always going to raise plenty of eyebrows and it was an intensely fought battle there at the breakdown. But, um, you know, when you're in a position like that, you've just got to have the ability to, to shut a game down. Yeah, you, you're not wrong. You know, they hung in there at large stages of the game there, the Brumbies, particularly late in the first half when they were reduced to, what was it, 13 men for a couple of minutes. I, I thought that they showed great resilience. But not only that, I, the game reminded me of a, of a state of origin match, just the intensity, you know, particularly around defence, um, how how you know how contested it was at the breakdown um, was immense and for the fact that the Brumbies missing I know that the Blues were missing the Uani brothers as well but the Brumbies missing Rob Valentini um, they had the injury to Luke Reimer who I think is just so vital but he's great in the second half particularly off the bench where he hunts turnovers and regularly gets them to 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 front up to get as close as they did, I think they'll get a lot of confidence from that. Um, you know, they, they will be coming up against the Moana Pacifica side this weekend. It wouldn't surprise me if they rest a number of players um, where they go, look, we need to make sure that we're, we're firing because a week later they could be coming up against the Waratahs who I think if I'm Darren Coleman, I'm thinking I'd much rather go down to Canberra to play take on the Brumbies than go across the ditch like Queensland might have to and, and, looks like they will have to, to, to play the Crusaders for potentially a, a second straight week. So um, it's a, I, I think the Brumbies, yeah, as I say, I think they'll be reasonably confident and, and they'll learn a lot from that, the pain that they experienced, the frustration of not being able to beat the, the Blues and then potentially seal a top two placing. Uh, that, will, that won't be the worst thing in the world for them, I don't think. No, it's certainly, you know, not going to derail their season at all, having gone so close. And you're spot on with the um, describing it as a, as a game of, of origin-like intensity. Um, it really had that feel about it. So keenly fought around the breakdown. And, and yeah, that's the way that, that rugby games can go, particularly with, with refereeing decisions that, you know, with guys flying in and, and trying to get on that ball and win that ball. And, um, you know, we, we know that the, the law book's a mess and there's, there's plenty to... To um to rule on for the referees and and some nights they're, they're just you're going to find yourself on the on the end of big counts. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. What, what the other the other point to make about that match there, I think it's the perfect match for Noah Lolosio because yep. that's the, exactly what he's going to experience if he's you know to play more international rugby. We know that that Noah Lolosio can when the, the game's a bit looser perhaps or if it's not quite as physical um we saw him go across the ditch and have a brilliant game against the chiefs but have we been able to see him control games where it's really really hectic at the breakdown i think Bowden barrett probably did a better job there on the weekend um particularly in the first half looked pretty cool uh, a lot of the time kicking game was on point 
put a lot of pressure back on them. I think they tested Tom, Tom Banks at fullback as much as possible. And, and I wonder whether or not that sort of game, Noah learns a lot more from. And I, and I think Dave Rennie, it won't be a bad thing for him to, to see that too. Absolutely. And, you know, a clutch conversion there to to uh, to put them back in front. So, um, you know, you, you've got to give a wrap to to young Noah. And as you say, the Brums did so well to, to hang in there in the first half when the Blues were just, you know, absolutely, you know, all over them and, and held up, I think, three times, maybe four over the line. So some desperate defence and then to still have the energy to hang in the contest and, and put themselves in front. So it's certainly not panic stations at all, but um, there are clearly some unhappy... Uh, Brumbies folk uh, in the nation's capital uh, this Monday evening. Um, it probably ties well with uh, your little uh, chat on Noah there. Um, news this afternoon out of the Reds game, unfortunately. Um, James O'Connor, uh, in all likelihood, his Super Rugby Pacific season over unless the Reds were potentially to go through to the final. And, and that's looking pretty unlikely given what we've seen uh, without him playing uh, before he made his return uh, last weekend in, in Auckland. Um Obviously, heartbreaking for the Reds. Uh, Josh Fluke, I think, as well, is now out um, for the season. Uh, a shoulder reconstruction. I think he's second in three years, which is just terrible for him, for a guy who was absolutely uh, on the Wallabies' radar, uh, edging closer to a call-up. So, yeah, bad news for them. Uh, not ideal for the Wallabies, clearly, though, either with, with James O'Connor. Um, now, I think I mentioned last week, I didn't think he was 100% fit as it was, having come back from the knee. Um, there was just lacking that little bit of, of spark um, and speed, I think, uh, and the way he was he was running, uh, getting himself around the paddock. Um, but this makes it really tough, you would think, for Dave Rennie to pick him um, in the number 10 jersey to face England. Um, but you were thinking probably Quaid, uh, who popped up in uh, in LA, of all places, uh, for a bit of uh, a bit of work with the Giltinis. Um, guys over there with uh, with Stephen Hoyles um, and a few others, of course, Adam Ashley Cooper, um, Quaid looking as the favourite. And uh, by reports today, he'll probably land here in, in a couple of weeks. And he now uh, looks, um, or, well, not absolutely uh, as the rusted on 10 for that first test in, in Perth, but um, it's, it's, it seems like the, the smart option. Yeah, I don't think it's just the smart option. I think he probably even deserves to start in the number 10 jersey. Like, we can't discount the fact that under Craig Cooper, the Wallabies won five straight matches. Uh, like, it's quite remarkable what he managed to achieve last year. But I think if you're playing England, from my understanding and what I can read, uh, Dave Rennie is not going to, and, and I think he probably should, um, uh, not necessarily rule out Tom Banks completely, but I think with... 16 months to the World Cup, I think you, you need to have more than one eye. I think you need to turn your attention to what do you think the side could be, you know, for the first test. If you were playing Wales, what would the, the, the test be? I, Tom Banks isn't going to be there. But, but from my understanding, Dave Rennie doesn't, he's not so worried about that. You never know Tom Banks might return to Australian rugby in years down the track. His form might warrant it or they might be short at fullback where, Tom Banks gets caught up in one of those three picks. You never quite know. So I don't think that, that Dave Rennie will have an issue with, with picking Tom Banks at fullback. And, and similarly on that same logic, I don't think there was going to be an issue with picking Quade Cooper. They want to pick the side that will beat England. Um, they understand that, uh, that that wins are paramount, particularly in June test series uh, or July test series. We saw one last year against France, um, but we've seen... 
serious defeats against England and Ireland previously. And they were telling when you go into a Bledisloe Cup series because you don't just start talking about a couple of defeats against the All Blacks, do you? You start talking about a couple of defeats um, on the back of potentially three ones in July as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think the smart decision is Quade Cooper to start at 10. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all for Nola or Sia to be included off the bench because... Let's let's be let's face it. James O'Connor, unfortunately, has been um, injury prone for a long, long time now, and it's more than likely that Noah could be in that 23 come the World Cup, given O'Connor's history and indeed Quade Cooper's history, injury history as well. Even though he's been much better and, and able to stay much more healthy in recent years. How concerning do you think it is? And I guess um, looking at it from a perspective of say. Um, a Tane Edmed even, or or a Ben Donaldson saying that, you know, they're probably their focus might be on on 2027, but it's not, um, you know, beyond the realms of possibility. As you were mentioning there, with James O'Connor's injury history, with with Quades, who you know, as you mentioned, came back and played so well for the wins over South Africa, Argentina, and and Japan last year. That, you know, certainly one of these guys might not get to France next year purely. Just because of the, um, you know, the, the length of their careers and the the toll the game has taken on their bodies, and and we want them both to to absolutely, you know, be fit and healthy and give it the best crack. But if you're Tain Edmed, you're Ben Donaldson, clearly Noah Lola CEO is, I think, is you know, come back a, a better player this year after being let go um, or not let go, but um, I guess cast aside by by Dave Rennie in favour of of Quaid and, and James and and. A, getting a little bit stuffed around towards the end of the year, clearly, but he's um, he's been really strong for the Brumbies this year. Uh, Ed Med, you know, is, is really under into his first year of, of Super Rugby Bar, a handful of games previously. Um, and Ben Donaldson was was impressive earlier in the year. So these guys, it's not, you know, just circus, circus, solely focused on the 2027 World Cup. It's, we've, uh, we've got to stay fit. We've got to stay, you know, informed because there is a situation where, uh, there's still a hell of a lot of rugby to be played between now and September next year. And, you know, there's every chance that one or both of these guys or um, beyond Lola Sio, um and anyone else around the traps could be could be in need. Yeah, and, and I've been making that point for a long, long time. That's why I thought it was really important to keep Noah Lola Sio, um for, for next year and, and, of course, beyond is because I don't think that both James O'Connor and Quade Cooper are going to be fit. You know, we're obviously hoping that they will be, but it's very unlikely that both will be. Um, and we've got to remember Ben Donaldson too was part of that training squad back in, in April. And, and I'm sure that it's frustrating for him that an injury, a calf injury, I think it was, has afforded Tane Edward that opportunity to wear the 10 jersey. But since then, you know, you can't drop Tane, can you? And this is good pressure, good competition for places. And it's the same challenges that if, Ben Donaldson was to get into a test squad where he's also going to be fighting for places, fighting for positions. So, yeah, more of the same competition is not a bad thing, but those kind of players shouldn't just be considering 25 and 27, should they? Absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, some uh, some plenty of ground still to be made in, in the coming weeks, you know, if uh, if these guys can come in and have really strong uh, seasons. If, you know, if all the CEO was to drive the Brumbies through, to a final, um, and clearly that road now goes through Christchurch, which is going to be a little bit tougher than 
than playing in Canberra, but I don't think it's beyond them. I don't think, you know, going to Auckland and beating the Blues is beyond them either if they get absolutely everything right. And if Lola Sia is the one driving that, then that's going to make a pretty strong case to to Dave Rennie as well. But um, another week we uh, we edge closer to that England series. Uh, really can't wait for that to roll around. And uh, also announced last week and uh, confirming your your story from earlier in the year, um, of course, with, uh, with Toto Kefu, um, the rebirth of the Australia A program, which I think kind of feeds in from what we were saying about the 10s is that it's going to afford, you know, probably both um, of Tane and, and Ben, or certainly one of them, the opportunity to play against Fiji, Tonga and Samoa, um, all three games in Fiji from, from recollection on those corresponding uh, days uh, of the England series uh, against the Wallabies. Um, fantastic opportunity for them, fantastic opportunity for a, a raft of guys who are going to be on the fringes and would otherwise have gone back to, to shoot shield and hospital cup and um, the other competitions are, around the country. Uh, they're going to be getting football that's clearly a level above that, staying fit, staying engaged, um, getting that, uh, you know, that, that rugby that they need to be ready should the call come. Um, and we have the the little side note also that, um, you know, following the, the change in eligibility laws from, from World Rugby, that these three sides, uh, we know how strong Fiji were uh, beforehand, but um, certainly for Samoa and Tonga, there is a number of guys here that... Um, while they haven't confirmed that they'll play uh, this tournament, um, you know, if they're serious about committing for the World Cup, then these coaches will want to get them in, get them involved and start putting some plans in place for that tournament. Um, and these aren't going to be any ordinary old Tonga and Samoa sides that we've seen get beaten by 100 points. Uh, you know, certainly Tonga last year that had to call on guys from from Auckland. Um, it's, it's really going to be something and it's great for Australian rugby, the fact that this team, Australia A, is back. Oh, it certainly is. Just think about pathways and and uh, you know for guys like as you said the tens, but people like uh, you know Ryan Smith from uh, who I think is a, a really great prospect at the Reds. Look at Jock Campbell who might not get an opportunity at fifteen, um, particularly if Tom Banks is 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 going to be chosen at the Wallabies. Um, Waratahs wingers, Nolan Edwasi and Peach, of course, yeah. Yeah, and I, I put both those two wingers as as potential bolters to be called up. You look at both of them, there's an X factor about them. And and Dylan Peach has got a great physical um, frame around him. Um, he's getting more confident with every every game and every touch that he has. Mark, Mark Nwung and Idawasi has got an unbelievable area of ability um, and he can do some freakish things. And... and most importantly, and this is a fact, a point that Jason Gilmore made just recently was, well, he, he wasn't going to be playing shoot, shoot, or sorry, super rugby level unless he worked on his defence. Um, and that is something that he's clearly done and he's got much, much better over the last couple of months. So it's it's an opportunity for not only to, to have a pathway from super rugby to a step up to Australia A and to international rugby, but it's a opportunity to, to tour isn't it to go overseas to play in fiji where it might be humid or you know the crowd is is pretty patriotic towards perhaps the fijians and, and you get that opportunity of playing in a hostile environment it can only be a good thing um, to have more players playing more rugby and along inside each other for sure uh, a really really good announcement and uh, well done to everyone at Rugby Australia and, and, and World Rugby by extension. Uh, that tournament uh, has been 
you know, we haven't seen it for many years. So it was digging out the, the photos for the for the story for the newser and um, seeing Sakopi Kepu um, as uh, as the first player who came up when you search Australia A rugby back in the day. So it's going back a long while. Given uh, Keps is now at the other end of his career with Moana Pacifica, of course, and um, having played about 105 tests, I think it is off the top of my head for the Wallabies. So. Um, hugely vital program, uh, a really great move. And, um, yeah, those games will absolutely be worth watching. Uh, hopefully you would expect Stan Sport to uh, to pick them up. Um, ben Kimber, if you're listening, uh, maybe you can give the punters a confirmation on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to that, which will be an absolutely rugby smorgasbord when you tie those into, uh, obviously, Ireland playing New Zealand as well and all the other test series going on around uh, around the globe. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and you even look at that that Australia Ray Tonga game. That's going to be I think June, uh, sorry, July 16. It's the same date as the third Wallabies Test against England. So um, great that there's going to be a whole bunch of players playing in that. But great that there's going to be another 23. To tell me if you if you were to pluck a name out of nowhere to play in that Australian A side, or is there a bolter to play in that Wallabies team? Question without notice. Who would you potentially consider in, in both those two? Um, so representative sides and for the, for the A team, I think it's tailor made for Billy Pollard, isn't it? Um, a guy who's who's had now I think probably three or four starts for the Brumbies this season, maybe not four, certainly three. Um, has come off a bench, come off the bench on a number of of other occasions. Um, I think as a young bloke, twenty one, I think off the top of my head, certainly no older than twenty two. Um, perfect development opportunity for him to to go away and, and get, as you say, to, to be able to tour and and get used to the intensity of playing, you know, virtually test matches three weeks running. Um, what an opportunity for him. So he'd be my, you know, I think he'd be one of the first names I'd put down on an Australia A uh, squad list. For the Wallabies as a bolter, geez, you put me on the spot here. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know about bolters, mate. I, I, I feel that there's going to be some really tough, selection decisions in probably a number of positions. And um, I think that's probably going to come at, at number six um, in the back three uh, where, you know, it could come down to a decision between between a, a Jock Campbell and um, and one of the other wingers perhaps. Um, it may, yeah, look, it's – okay, money where my mouth is um, – I will say that um, let's go around the grounds. Um, I'll throw Tane Edmund in as a uh, as moving having moved ahead of Ben Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, it, it's out, and you certainly don't have to throw someone in there that would start. I, I think from an Australian A perspective, I think Langy Gleeson, what he's shown yeah. thus far, um, it, you know, only a couple of touches, but even against the, the Hurricanes where he did, in fact, drop the ball, which was which was crucial and telling. Um, I, re- I recalled as, as, as a player, a Waratahs player, recalled a story to me today where, where last year against the Brumbies uh, runners game there, um, all the Tars players were watching and, and quite a few times off the kickoff, a bloke, Langy Gleeson, takes the ball and ends up running half the field on a number of occasions. And everyone looked at each other going, who the heck is this bloke? And it was Langy Cleason. Look, what, what he's shown so far in two Super Rugby matches, and albeit only two matches, is 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 sparks of what could be to come. But there's so much explosive power through the legs there that it's that it's an exciting prospect. Um, but I, I think someone like a Dylan Peach, I think, has got 
a really well-rounded game. Um, and and he's someone who's great in the air um, from his Australian seven experience, but he's also strong on the ball. Um, we're seeing him play with a lot more confidence. I don't know, and I don't think he'd, Dave Rennie would gamble by throwing him in there for the time being. Um, and I, But I think he's a player that if you look at players that have improved drastically over the last two months, I don't think there's a player who's improved more than Dylan Page. No, mate, incredibly hard to, to argue with that. Uh, he's been really, uh, really brilliant the last few weeks. So uh, well done. And just on Langy Gleeson, uh, a little sidebar on that one, uh, Darren Coleman saying that he's actually the fastest forward in Australian rugby. Uh, there was some pre-season testing done around all the franchises by the um, the high-performance staff at Rugby Australia, and uh, he was the fastest forward. So that would seemingly support your two stories about running half the pitch, and we've seen small glimpses of it. Um, and uh, given uh, Charlie Gamble might get a, a break this week, uh, to see him start or come off the bench again uh, certainly won't surprise. Um, mate, that'll do us for this week. Um, we've uh, we've ripped through it. Um, plenty to talk about, of course, uh, edging ever closer to to July, um, but uh, the final round of, of Super Rugby to go. And I think we're going to probably land around that six or seven victories if you take out that uh, the Moana Pacifica games for the Aussie franchises against New Zealand. Um, is that a fair return? Yeah, I think it is. And, and there's one or two in there that could have gone the other way. You look at the Brumbies one on the weekend, but also the Waratahs Hurricanes a week earlier. The Reds. Rebels Chiefs, the, yep. Yeah, the Rebels Chiefs. Um, and the Reds would be kicking themselves from one or two as well. So certainly heading in the right direction, whether or not the Kiwis, are, they're not where they were five years ago um, or even seven years ago in 2015 when there was such strength and depth and the and the Japanese competitions weren't as strong as what they were now. But um, it's, it's exciting that these players are, are experiencing what it's like to win, but not only we win back it up time after time, and we're seeing that from a number of the teams. So that's really, really important. Um, hopefully, and we, we, we spoke a little bit about the injuries just beforehand, you know, where it's ended with guys like Reese Hodge um, from the Rebels is going to be interesting and potentially telling for, for Wallabies um, aspirations, you know, how much longer Hunter Paisami is out, um, you know, Lenny Ikatau continues to impress. So, yeah, lots to 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 watch, to consider, to be excited about heading into what is the, the last weekend of, of the, the regular season before finals. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, and we'll unpack that all next week. Uh, mate, you're off to Vegas in between now and then. Um, stay off the roulette tables. I can't promise anything, but um, I'll, I'll keep that advice um, somewhere in my mind anyway. Yep, uh, many uh, a man and a woman for that matter has been derailed over there. So, uh, mate, uh, number one, enjoy yourself. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, talking again next week.